Hey, this is Matteo Lane. I'm Emma Wilman. And this is Inside the Closet. Inside the Closet. <laughs> Today's guest is our good friend, comedian, actress, podcaster, Trana Winter. How you doing? Hi, I'm so happy. I mean, I've been talking to Matteo, but Emma, like, I nice miss see you. you. And I've been listening to you guys, like, during all of quarantine. And oh. honestly, the podcast has been, like, such a comfort. So I'm so happy Thank you. to be joining you guys. Thank you. I I, I brought you up so quickly, too, when I did the intro, because I was trying to brush over my awful um, clapping. <laughs> Wait, Trana, so Trana, so we talk, okay, her and I talk about every other day. We've been talking a lot during That's quarantine. That's nice. And she said that her favorite part of, a favorite thing ever of this podcast, <laughs> Trana, I'll let you tell. Uh, okay, well, my favorite thing ever is the episode where you talk about, Emma, how your mom might react if she were on the Titanic or uh. in Jurassic Park. Um, that floored me. I mean, I was so, like, just dying from that story that I actually watched Titanic, like, right after listening to that episode. Like, I just felt like I need to revisit this. Did you hear when we called our moms? I did hear that. And your mom, like, you predicted it. Your mom did have a more, like, measured response. She did, actually. She was like, well... She also, like, inserted that she'd be in the first class cabin, but, like, not in a shitty way. (laughs) If we're being honest, I probably would be in the the upper class cabin, you know? (laughs) Things are different. Meanwhile, my Aunt Cindy's like, I'd scream. I'd scream and I'd yell and I'd try and get on a lifeboat. I think I would probably just throw myself off the boat and call it a day. I think I would, too. I think I'm, like, I'm good. Yeah, I'd be so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I'd be like the old couple who just like stayed in bed and just like let the water pour in. You think? I think I would just surrender to the moment. I would run to the the part of the ship going down just to get a good view and sing Streisand. (laughs) (laughs) I would because I'm like, when else am I going to have this moment? You'd be screaming. You'd be too scared. In pitch. <laughs> Barbara Streisand, did you guys see that Barbara Streisand gave Disney stock to George Floyd's daughter? And she uh, isn't that yeah. unbelievable? Yeah, they don't kind of made me almost cry too. And she gave her something else too. Um, I don't know anything about stock, but I know that if something is coming from Streisand and the word Disney is attached to it, I'm assuming it's a lot of money. Totally. I hope it's a lot of money. That'd be real shitty if it wasn't. I mean, if but it was like, like twenty bucks. Yeah, like here's here's twenty bucks of Disney stock. <laughs> here's a, one of my dolls from my doll collection. Like, like oh, thanks. Right, and then man. she has to do press where she's like, "I'm so grateful for this twenty dollars." Yeah. <laughs> All right, I just want to say, so we took a we took a week off. We actually took two, two. weeks off, but yeah. there's a whole other story to that. And so you took we, two weeks off your podcast, Trina. Well, we were on hiatus, oh. so we um, our second season came to an end um, at the end of April. Got it. When does it when does it come back? Um, probably in the fall, and then we also have like a bonus Pride episode coming out. Um, so yeah. Wait, real quick before wrong. we get into really heavy topics, my favorite thing Trana ever said is she went to the Celine Dion concert, mm. and they caught her on the news and were like, "So how do you feel about being here as a Celine Dion's fan?" And Trana goes, "Well, I'm actually not a Celine Dion fan." <laughs> or what did you say? Is that yeah. what you said? Well, the news reporter was like, I'm here with two Celine fans. And then I like leaned in and was like, I'm actually not a Celine fan. 
And I feel like being called a Celine fan is even worse than being misgendered. Like, I, like, <laughs> like. You were at her concert. I know, but the tickets were free. And like, I'm also not gonna miss out on Celine. You were fucking, you were blowing her up on multiple fronts. One, I'm not a fan. Two, she has to give out tickets. <laughs> to be like, uh, they paid us to be here. She's not doing well. <laughs> Have you said that on stage? Oh, well, you haven't been on stage. You should say that on no, stage. No, I have Very funny. Yeah, that is. But funny. it's like, it's funny because when I get misgendered, like I have such a hard time like standing up for myself and correcting people. Sure. I just get so uncomfortable. But like, if you call me a Celine fan, I don't care. I'm yeah. Like, no, that's where I draw the line. Yeah. I will not be misrepresented for something no. I'm not. What does Celine call her fans? Like Mariah calls hers the lambs, which I think they should be called. And that's myself, an enabler. Yeah. And then um, Gaga calls her fans monsters. What does Celine yeah. call her fans? As far as I know, there's not, there hasn't been a term. But Celine's fans are also so much older. Like what are these right. like... 50-year-old plus people going to call themselves. Right. Uh, the Renees. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, who was at the concert? Was it mostly older people, quote-unquote? Yeah, I was really surprised. I thought that especially because of Celine's sort of, like, fashion renaissance over the last two years, and just, <laughs> like, her becoming, like, such a part of, like, the mainstream pop culture landscape that there would be a lot of millennials and even a bit younger, but no, it was such an old crowd. And you're like, not- Like, there were old people, no. Well, I mean, I'm not a fan, but I'm interested. Right. You know? yeah. like, um, she is but, interesting. Like, She's interesting, were, she is. Yeah, and there were old people behind us that were mad for us, like, standing and dancing, but it was like, it's the first song. Like, she just came on stage. <laughs> They're like, and you're then, showing off your knee, how you've got kneecaps that still work. <laughs> like, you're showing off your joints. But what was crazy, though, is that this usher came and was like, would you guys rather go down to the floor? So they bought us to, like, what would be, like, the hockey penalty box on the floor. Wow. But when we got there, it was all these other young people who had got into altercations with old people around them. <laughs> so we were like... It was like this, like, troublemaker group in the penalty box. So it was kind of fun. That oh my god! I would actually... go for free. I would go. Free oh, tickets? Yeah. Oh yeah! I would pay to go see Celine. That's would you? Thing. Yes, I would. How pay much to would see you Celine. pay? Uh, ten. But <laughs> ten. I think you know. <laughs> but Celine's fascinating. I promise we're going to get to the protest. We have so much to talk about. But this is also this is Tran and I go through this all the time. We have we just we divas are our thing. And actually, sure. we were planning on doing a show at JFL this summer, which is not happening. Yeah, right, we we're going to yeah. do an hour diva show where Tran and I sit on stage, have a picture of our favorite divas and just riff and then sing a song from them. That's fun. Yeah. You sing, one Tran? Day, one day. Oh my I God, Tran is a great singer. You sing? A very different kind of singer than Mateo, but I do <laughs> sing. Yes. What, ki what kind? Well, in the sense that like, I don't like... I, you know, I have, I know what my limitations are vocally. Right. And I, I have not learned my that. limitations yet, which is why I need to stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like I've always loved singing and I, I used to incorporate it in my comedy, but I never took really? it seriously until I met this amazing producer musician who like wanted to collaborate and he really helped me like find my voice and mm. like how to access the good parts of my voice and really learn how to actually use it. And it's been so amazing. Just comedy songs or would you sing like- No, like I actually put out an album that sort of got sort of derailed by the pandemic. Sure. And so I, I'm going to put a more serious effort into rolling that out in the fall. Cool. Um, 
But and the cover like, is amazing. It's so dry sand. It's so seventies. It's so it's it's like everything you want in a music. We album. should play the. We'll play a song on the show if you want. Sure, I'll send you one for sure. You can play a clip. You don't have to play the whole thing. Um, no, at the end. At the end, we sure. will play. Yeah, we'll play an entire song. You pick the song, and then Perfect. obviously we'll promote the album on. Thank you, you so know, much. Inside the closet and stuff. Yeah. I'm impressed. Um, but yeah, no, it's been nice to like sort of have this other outlet to express myself than just comedy. Seriously. You know, like, to just express things that are maybe a bit more emotional or just that go into different territory than always having to make people laugh. Right. It's, I think that brings up like a really interesting point too, because it's like what, because part of with stand up, I think there's no limitations. You can say whatever you want as it's coming, you know, if you make it a joke and it's coming from a good place. So that's what I think for me. But then there are limits too sometimes when it's like it can be so much harder to find the words stand to make it with laugh being the goal. Like other right. forms of communication can be so much, much more freeing. Yeah, right? because comedy, the expectation from the audience is that you're make me laugh. Right. When you go to a concert or you're going to like, you know, just any music show, the expectation is I, I, I will interpret what I'm hearing for myself. It's more. Right personal right you know where in comedy sometimes you don't even laugh because the people next to you aren't laughing and so right. you think oh i better not laugh because they're not laughing either and right um, yeah, exactly yeah i think even now like we obviously none of us have been able to do shows but i've been itching to do my barber show mm. more than i have stand-up than exactly what trana was saying that's interesting that you can express yeah um something that's more you know right now it's a very serious time and so you it's a it's a different means of expressing yourself rather than trying to make people laugh which right now is very difficult it's interesting like, do you me think it's even possible i do think it's possible i mean i think it's possible based on what you're t you know it's like so i'm thinking about like my crew here right so it's like bob the drag queen monet exchange my friend nick uh, uh my friend jacob and my friend Patty and Alfredo, and we have found ways to make each other laugh, but through small things like the masks we're wearing or like when we were, we all went to the protests together, you know, it's like, especially like Bob and Monet and myself, like we're comedians, you right. know, so of course we're going to see some, like this one girl was holding a sign, but the back of the sign was like a really expensive piece of furniture and the instructions <laughs> on how to put it together. And it's like, you might as well just hold up a sign to let everybody know how rich you are. Right. You know right. what I mean? It's like, it was just so funny because all of us are like holding these signs and then hers basically was like, I can shop at West Elm. Right. You know, so it's like <laughs> stuff like that where it's like, the, in the moment you find things and obviously you use humor to break tension. Obviously sure. when you're in those situations, there's a lot of tension. Um, one of the okay, protests. I agree that like on those like in terms of individual relationships and individual encounters like we can still find ways to laugh together but I mean more about like your role as a comedian like mm. culture like right in like larger scale dialogues like where you're not just talking to your friends you're talking to like the public I mean to the right. public yeah right like, I actually don't know. I don't. I, I. I. think the only reason I can't ask that question is because none of us have been on stage. So I guess I haven't been forced to think about it yet. Really. Yeah, it, I think it's a. I think that is a really interesting question because all of a sudden you're looking at what you say in a very different way, and then yeah. also, I mean, laughing can be therapeutic. So then, like, I. I. I was laughing the other day before we started recording. I mentioned these guys. I. I had a sleep talking outburst and I didn't remember it because I was asleep. And when my girlfriend was telling me what I said, I laughed 
I was laughing so hard, but it caught me off guard. So I didn't seek it out. But I was like, right. after I did that, I felt so invigorated. After I laughed like that, I felt invigorated. So I think if someone wanted to seek out comedy, it could give them, I do think it's like important too. It's just what, how the performer feels too. Like if they're comfortable saying what they normally, like say you're like going up and being like, what's up with baked potatoes? Right. Part of your mind might be like, what the fuck am I talking about? Right. Yeah, exactly. I guess, yeah, I just, I'm trying to figure out like what I have to contribute to the moment. Right. And, and if even making a contribution is right or wrong. And, you know, I know that, that like, I'm really coming to this understanding that like, there's this like, you know, clearly like white fragility that I'm addressing in a way that I don't think I've ever really fully been aware of, sure. you know? And it's, I think that in everything that I've ever done, like I never ever want to be the source of like someone's hurt or, mm. you know, but I think that also at a certain point, like no matter how careful you are, you can, there's no such thing as a hundred percent, right? Like there's right. no way right. of, covering all bases like everyone right. is coming at things from a different perspective and different traumas and different experiences and you know I mean I know that as comedians like we've all dealt with that at certain points like you know someone seeing something that we've done that we've sort of thought out carefully but that have taken it the wrong way and mm -hmm. I feel like it's always very drawing for me like I'm not someone yet who can be like well I don't give a shit like I'm just gonna right. say whatever I want like if someone is hurt by something I've said, like, I take it so seriously. Maybe to, like, to a point where, like, sometimes I can just be sort of paralyzed. Mm. I think you bring up a good point. I think that, you know, sometimes I, I see it in two different ways, right? I think if we're just talking about art right now, we're just, let's talk about comedy. Yeah. And in, in this conversation, just for the sake of conversation, comedy is an art the same way painting singing, acting, mm -hmm. dancing, um, art. It, it, yeah. Okay. Let me just say this. I think art is a form of expression from one's inner monologue, from one's need to express themselves. And I feel that arguing, you know, comics, because we're using words is a medium that everyone is familiar with because everybody uses words. It's harder to argue with a painting because not everyone is familiar right. with that medium. It's with harder to argue with dialogue. dancing. Right, because singing, et cetera, not everyone can sing like Mariah Carey, whatever, you know. So with comedy, you hear someone talking, you don't understand how difficult it is what they're actually doing, being mm -hmm. on stage, their timing, the jokes, the pat everything, you know. Um, but we feel more, it's more personal because you're just talking. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, you do run into these situations where it's like, Am I being careful with what I'm saying? But how can I express myself? Because right. sometimes art is meant to make people uncomfortable. Mm, now, absolutely. You, right. And now being uncomfortable doesn't mean saying something daring, you know, or transphobic or homophobic or racist just because you're trying to get a reaction. I don't actually find that, um, you know, like I remember having this conversation with Andrew Schultz once about, because um, he says a lot of things that are very inflammatory. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, you know, we were talking about Stern and he was talking about jo uh, shock jocks. And I said, I think the difference with Howard Stern and all these other shock jocks is that Howard was actually coming from a place of curiosity. I'm not saying I agree with what he says, right? but he was really curious. He wasn't saying things to get a reaction. He was genuinely curious where I felt everyone else mistook that and just said things that were shocking to be shocking. Mm. Um, 
But so anyways, what I was trying to say is getting back on stage. Yeah, I, I'm going to be more careful about what I say. We, like you said, Tranny, you can't cover all the bases. I can't know that everything I'm going to say is hurting someone's feelings of this because at, at that point, it's just impossible to do yeah. your job. But what if it's like talking about like, I mean, if you talk about your personal stories and there's pretty then like if you're saying things that you like you're if you talk about. I mean, observations, because then it's like, okay, say I do a mundane observation. Is that insensitive? Because I'm like, oh, it's a privilege to be able to make this mundane observation and not have the crushing weight of these things. Right. It's tricky. No, it's really tricky, honestly. I mean, like, it's not that it's ever happened often, but, like, I can recall a time where, like, a trans person who saw me perform thought that I was trans. Oh, yeah. For something that I said. That's You know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, and... Yeah. I really can, I can say like with absolute confidence that I consider the things that I say on stage. Like I'm not just like someone getting up there to like be inflammatory, right. you know, but I think that I would say that I'm one of the more, not, I mean, not to compare myself to other comedians, but all to say is that like, I take those considerations really seriously because I want the shows that I do to be a place where people can feel comfortable, not at the expense of like, like not saying anything at all. Like I still have a point of view. There's still things that I want to talk about, but I just have to learn like as an innate people pleaser that like you're Mm. never going to be able to please everyone all the time. And I think that's right. Always had to work on. Yes. Especially with when the person said that to you and you took it in, was there, cause I had people, I had a couple gay people say it. I said homophobic things and I really yeah, did consider it. The and same I was thing like, happened to no. you too. Yeah. But I mean, and there were certain things where I was like, you know what? I see how, what I see that what I'm saying is can be interpreted as limited, specifically the stuff right. about the man one. And I'm like, the way I am intending that is I'm trying to deconstruct something to reconstruct it, to make fun of myself and the human nature of wanting to oversimplify things. That's yeah. a big leap for a lot of people to take. So I understand what you're saying. But then also part of me is like, you fucking to pick your fucking battles. You're really gonna come at me about me being homophobic I right know. now, and and consider how you're phrasing that, and not talk about internalized homophobic. Like like think about what you're saying now. If I if I humor you, then like you know, let me go do something that's worthwhile. Like go blow your brains out, other person. <laughs> but then I don't mean that either. It's just like no, I know, like, I, I mean, know. That's what you're gonna. So some, but also if someone's saying I'm being homophobic. I do want to hear that. I actually do want to hear it too. Right. I mean, like, I did a show in January where I was doing, I mean, I thought it was pretty harmless. Like, I was doing material about, you know, dick pics and, like, my fear of ugly dicks and how I, like, demand to see a dick pic before meeting anyone because I don't want any surprises. Right. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. like, if it's scary, like, I don't want right. to deal with that in the moment. Right. Um, And anyway, like, that's not the full joke, but that's sort of the gist of it. But then someone wrote to me after the show and they thought, like, me sort of making fun of Ugly Dicks was really, like, they were offended because it's sort of making fun of things, something that people don't have control over. Also, they're really outing themselves, like, there with what their personal situation is. (laughs) I mean... Like, well, but it was. I mean, I'm assuming this was someone who does not have a dick, so okay, it made okay. it that much more confusing. Sure, but sure. Then I could, but I, I mean, I wasn't, it's not like I was singling out a specific person and their specific dick. Like, to me, right. it was just like what could be weird to you could not be to someone else. You're just saying your preference, right? 
Right. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, this is, you know, and also it's like, what could be a more defining symbol for like white male privilege and the patriarchy than a dick? And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's that idea of like, can you really oppress the oppressor? Mm. And, but like, also to at some point, at like, some am point. Am I not allowed to just find a certain dick ugly? Right. 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 And at the same time, wh- where are the people complaining, putting their energy? I'm talking about a joke on stage about dick pics. There are people screaming the N-word. There are right. people right. saying faggot. There right. are people who are actively making anti-trans jokes. Where do we draw the line? I mean, that's right. where we start to break down. We're like, Okay, sometimes, and also some, sometimes because you have feelings towards something, like if someone says my feelings are hurt, that doesn't validate a point. Mm-hmm. That's just your problem. I mean, we have to sort of like really break down. Like I thought what? a lot about that, about why people approach certain people. And I actually, one positive spin on, or that helped me make sense of why they would like approach one of us about something is probably they see an inrod for actual dialogue there. Yes. more Because I was like, why would you come at me when you go talk this? And it's like, well, probably because they can sense that that person's not even going to humor in exchange whereas i one of us would you know which is more tiring too to be like no i actually would like to hear what you have to say about this if also if it's presented like i feel that and if you come at someone like what the fuck you're clearly transphobic and you don't think and you you do hate trans people and you do it then you're gonna be like hey 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 i don't know how to engage with that yeah, exactly. And I feel like when I got the comment about me being transphobic, it was very much that approach. But the person who messaged me about the dick pic, it was actually a really considered mm. message. Like, they were thoughtful. I, like, you know, made me think, you know? So... Yeah. What was the subject line in that email? <laughs> it was a... I think it was a DM. It was... Okay. <laughs> and I understand that, too, because, yeah, it's like someone can't control what that looks like. So then it's like... Yeah. What are they it's like people are... I didn't know how... Um, how many opinions people had about uh short men i didn't know that was such a thing right i didn't know that people were so harsh about that or they'd be like no i wouldn't i have a friend and i didn't know he was short he was like you didn't think i was short because you're so short and i was like oh okay fine he's (laughs) he's a little shorter i've tried to set him up with people before they'll see his picture and be like he's so cute and then they're like oh my god he's you didn't tell me he's short and i was like he can't control that and they're like, no, not even considering it. Like people right. are, and that to me, I was like, that's awful. But I guess that's a big thing. People are so resistant to, that's, I mean, that's actually getting to what you were saying, Tran, with white fragility. I mean, it's, it's shocking how resistant people are to just accepting the fact that if you're white, we live on a spectrum of racism. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, I, I think I'm reading White Fragility, actually, which is I'm reading it on audiobook because I have no patience. And the woman who the woman who's reading it is not the woman who wrote it. Okay. So it's, it sounds like Siri is talking to you. And does it, that make you sleepy, though? Cause I no, I mean, just... it actually calms me. I'm like, oh, I'm able to like, you know, it's a lot of information to digest. And it actually is a it was like the perfect voice to digest it Mm. but she the author of the book talks exactly about this where you know white people if you say racist they imagine tiki torch kkk right you heard me right and um you know it's like they can't just accept the fact that you you know it, it they make it individualized they make it think that they're like oh 
that's a bad, that's a characteristic flaw. And if you say that I'm racist just because I'm white, that means I'm bad. And then they get defensive and then right. they But my uncle right. me once and you're like- and, But then they victimize themselves. And then it's like, right. we've just stopped the conversation from going anywhere because anytime, you know, people of color are trying to talk to you about it, white people can't talk about it because they refuse to observe the truth. And right. I, I think- um, you know, I, and even small things too. It's like if, if someone says, oh, that neighborhood's sketchy or oh, this mm-hmm. neighborhood's getting better. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about race, Absolutely. you know? And, right. and so we have to be really careful of what we're saying, how we're saying it and what we're actually implying. There, I think how we say things and what we're saying is actually really important. Um, but I, I've, had, I've had, sorry, I've just, I've just had people since this has been happening where you try and talk to them about race they just close up because they just don't see themselves. They don't want to view themselves as a quote unquote bad person. Yeah. And can't handle the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, even queer people, I'm like, we have been, we should understand what it's like to be discriminated and marginalized. We should be very, you know, um, sympathetic towards what's going on and supportive and understand what this, you know, I mean, obviously we'll never understand we're not black, but right. we're from yeah. a, a more nuanced perspective. It's like, we should know what that's, we should know what it's like to be hated. I remember it really like felt like it fanned racism when I was in Boston doing the gay marriage thing. And a lot of the people that were anti-gay marriage at the time were people of like the majority of the counter protesters were getting bust in. And a lot of them were coming from uh, these like five different Baptist churches that were predominantly congregations of people of color. And I remember on the pro-gay marriage side that, that was then majority of it was white. I remember people, uh, there was a lot of like, how can they be not for gay marriage? And then, and I actually remember thinking that too. And I I was like, I was like, not at that extreme, but I remember being like, wait, what? Because if you, if you zoomed up the way it looked, like it was like, it was very interesting. But then it was like, no, this just because this, it's very complicated. Yeah. It's complicated. It is is complicated. And I think like, even Matteo, what you were saying about like, as queer people, that understanding should almost be innate. And I think on some level it is, but it's like, you know, when you, like, I know for me personally, like, I've always thought of myself as this like sensitive, empathetic person Mm. who never wants to harm anyone. And then when you realize that you've actually been part of this system right. and that your silence makes you complacent, right. I think it is a really hard thing to confront. But I think the important thing is just like, like prepare white people. Like, look, it's going to be ugly to face this. You know, right. it's going to be hard to take this look at yourself and the way that you've lived your life, but don't stop there. Right. Because once you move past that discomfort that you're feeling and this sort of feeling that you're a monster, like there is like real change on the other side of that. And right. you will be better for it and you will be able to be a better ally to the people who need you. So like just anticipate that what you're gonna be looking at is not is very uncomfortable and is hard to look at, but just mm-hmm. keep going right because the the motivation the motivation for you shouldn't be i'm going to do this because someone told me to it should be i'm going to make a change in myself to better myself yes Mm -hmm. don't you don't we all want to be a better person don't we want to be evolved and i'm not saying we're all going to do it right we're not going to all do the right thing we're not going to all say the right thing but if you're just putting yourself on a path of saying 
here's here's where I sit. This is this is where I I I, I stand as you know an American whatever, as a white person. All right, what can I start doing? Just even in my inner circle to right. start making things yeah. better. You got to start with yourself. I and didn't then you go can to move on. Did you, I? I we have it. So I'm in Louisiana, and things are lifted here more. So for I'd say since things have been listed, we had been going to Starbucks at least once a week, and then Starbucks. Oh my goodness! How how Starbucks, Starbucks. We were going to, but then Starbucks has been bad because they were not allowing people to wear Black Lives Matter. They weren't allowing their baristas to wear Black Lives Matter. Right. And then they like did like a. I just want to. I want the record to show that I have been making fun of Starbucks for a very long time. Oh, I yes. go and you called it then because I had been go. We've been going to Starbucks, and then we were going. I think it was like yesterday or the day before. They also serve cappuccinos, so the dog gets a little thing of whipped cream, oh which is fun. <laughs> but we were on our way, and then we were like, oh, we can't go. And we're, we're like, we're gonna we gotta hold. We're gonna wait on going to Starbucks just be, just on principle of like what's right. been news with it recently. And then we we're we we're like, oh, we'll just make the dog. Cap, you know, a little- <laughs> go buy some ready whip and exactly. give it ha- to an addicted ha- cup and give it to the dog. Starbucks right. isn't doing anything but yeah. for the stupid right. dog. Right. But yeah, and it was like, and I had been reading about it, whatever, the day before <laughs> I'd been reading all about it. And I was like, God, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, and they're, they're also on the, the list of companies who use prison labor. Which really? is they are? Yeah, so is McDonald's. Wait, well, I use- haven't eaten in McDonald's. I can't even remember. I haven't eaten. What about Burger King? I don't remember. It's okay. a long list, unfortunately. My what guess they... is the word king is in there, and kings have not, the word, things associated with the word king over the past, I don't know, 2,000 years hasn't necessarily <laughs> been good. So, you know, throw they... burger in front of it doesn't make it any better. What do they do? What do they do for, like, what do they have the prisoners do? I don't really know for sure. I think it's just like, I think that they, the prisoners probably produce, like, the cups or like just certain do, things. And that, do they get paid though? Like, they also well, do the happy well, meals. And one time I just got a switchblade. <laughs> yeah, get right. me out of here. Yeah. Um, I that was I, kind of funny. Well, I don't know. Have you guys watched um, 13th, the documentary? No, oh, I, that's even, what I'm watching next. Haven't even I heard really, of like for all your listeners as well, like, so this is a documentary by Ava DuVernay. And it's essentially a documentary that explains how the prison industrial complex replaced slavery. Mm-hmm. And that in that sense, slavery has never actually ended. Mm-hmm. It just transformed itself into the prison industrial complex. And that's why the system is literally designed for Black people to be arrested and convicted on very small charges, but sure. then face these long sentences. Well, and they make so money. That, they make so... Yeah. I didn't know this, but because when I remember when I, I auditioned for The Daily Show years ago, and I did my audition on this about that prisons are private, and it's like... He, so it behooves you to keep people like continuously incarcerated because it's essentially under that mindset, through that lens... You're, you're, you've got a guaranteed customer. It's like you're renting out a place, yeah. boom, tenant in there, tenant in there, tenant in there. And yeah. the markup is like huge. So there, you can buy stocks in prisons. Yeah. And the like, so Crazy. the prison labor aspect feeds into all of that. So, like, they're paying the prisoners, but it's something ridiculous. Like, I don't even know, like a dollar an hour or mm. like it might even be less. So they're profiting on this labor in the exact same way that slave owners profit, profited off the labor of their slaves. Mm-hmm. Damn, like, I didn't know about is, that. Like, well, now I feel bad about my switchblade joke. Don't. Well, you, you, you should, Mateo. <laughs> I, I, think think that also, 
Also, that's part of being a comedian. You got to keep trying to make jokes. Right. Yeah. But I also think that like that, like just watching that documentary is something that is so easy to do. Like you don't have to read anything. You don't have to do any real, you just sit and watch it, you know, but but it explains so much. I was actually watching a documentary about the uh, chocolate industry and how base, because no, but it's the same thing because basically the cocoa beans or cacao or however it's like, they can only be grown on certain places in in the world. And it's usually off the equator. So it's in South America and in in countries in Africa. So yes. And so these countries in Africa, it's the same thing you're getting people they're not paying them enough but these big chocolate companies come in you know they're making all this money and that money is not going down to the people who are actually harvesting and creating the the beans that we eat and so you have to look at the chocolate that you eat they have certain certifications on the back that say this is um you know, certified through these, reg- they've been regulated and they're the people that are farming this wow. chocolate. I had yeah. no idea. Wait, so why is it that, that it's only grown in certain areas? Just because of the climate, it can't- because, Yeah, the, the plant itself can only grow in certain climate. It's the same with coffee beans. Like coffee beans can only be grown in certain climates. Like you can't grow coffee in Maine. And they you can't artificially can't. make a space like they do with pot where they like make a temperature in that space just for- No. I had no idea about that. Yeah. Also, the amount of chocolate that's consumed in the world, like you need right. thousands of acres of farms. But it's, you know, and so it's, it's again, it's not just an, an American problem, but it's like a world problem where they're basically, it's almost like slavery. You know, you're treating right. people terrible, not paying them. And What's that documentary but, called, the chocolate one? It was on Netflix. I'll look it up mm. after this. Yeah, I like need to watch more stuff. You can apply that same kind of model to like Amazon. And that's where like people mm. talk about like wage theft is that, what the person at the top who's not even doing the hard work is getting billions of dollars where the people in the factories are actually providing the actual service of like getting you your package are, you know, getting paid minimum wage and don't have any protections. Like this is like, this is the unraveling of all of this. And it, yeah. like, it's just so long overdue. And how long could we have kept going in that direction? Well, yeah, because it also creates a global, a level of global super wealth that yeah. it becomes, it's not just 1% in America, it becomes 1% in the world. And then, then it's going to, when you start having capitalism in that sense, then it's just going to like, it, the chasm is going to be so big. Because I mean, then with Amazon, people would say, well, they wouldn't have those jobs if he hadn't then created that, that company for them to, to give it to them. But the discrepancy needs to be at a human level. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense. I will say 24 hours in a day. Right. And the stock market is soaring right now. Well, it crashed yesterday and now it's like back up. So the the stock market is not mirroring what's happening. I mean, it is kind of, but people are making like, like billionaires are getting richer and richer. Like people are making like money. Like I invested like $50 (laughs) and I made like, I think I made like $300. I'm not as financial genius. Dad has been saying I am though. He's like, can, I tell, can I tell you real quick why I'm giggling? I'm so sorry. In the, in the middle of this conversation, Emma, Nicole mm. Byer sent me a text. She always sends me and Sashir when her, her fans draw artwork of her. Uh-oh. And every time they become, they're more horrifying. Uh oh. And so I don't know if I want to show. <laughs> Let's see it. How about I don't want to show it she doesn't want me to show it, but okay. all I, oh, all okay, I think right. it is a text uh, over your guys' face as we're talking, because I forgot that my I, iPhone's connected. It just goes, I wish they would stop drawing me. 
Maybe they're just, it's the effort. It is the, it is the effort. I've had fan art before and I always think. Emma, have you had fan art done of you? It was so good. I've had it, I think a couple, maybe three or four things and each time they've been like, definitely like professional artists. Like they were so good. Wait, I, was blown I, away. I haven't seen those. I want to see them. You're in one of them. It's so good. The one where um, uh, we're on a patties in it too. I mean, it's like amazing. It, uh, it's where, and there's like a blow up doll in it. It's from like a year ago. It was re- two years ago. It was really, really good. Trana, have you ever had a fan do artwork of you? Yeah, I think like two or three times. And like Emma, like each time was amazing. Right. Um, <laughs> I've had some really good ones. Like people have drawn me and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And other times I'm like, I, di- I didn't realize that that was the case. Right. <laughs> well, I've had that when people go, well, they'll be like, you look like, Betty and I'm like okay oh and then I'm God. like I don't fucking even want to see a picture of Betty and then they just show me some like snaggletooth person with short blonde hair like not I mean not even snaggletooth just like fucked to the wind and I'm like don't tell anyone fucked that the they wind. looked like this person like it's like it's mean no offense the worst, to them. The, the worst one that I ever got I don't even know why I'm telling you guys this I've like tried to push it out of my mind oh, please. who is it <laughs> someone told me that I looked like Woody Allen <gasps> like how hard! How dare! First of all, you look <laughs> nothing like Woody Allen. I know, but it's just like I don't know who's the worst one you've ever gotten, Mateo. Um, the devil. No, I've gotten. <laughs> um, I just had a woman comment on my Instagram, and she was like, "Look at his eyes. He's a sociopath. I can't stand him, and his hairline makes no sense." And no I was like, way. They said right. that on your Sorry. own Instagram. I don't know what to do. I'm losing my hair. I don't know what to do about it. They said yeah, that she, on your own Instagram? And they she actually didn't like said the way that? my eyes looked in a photo. She said, I, mean, I used to like him until this photo. Now no. I know. I promise you. And then she said, and look at his awful hairline. Then she started commenting on all my Instagrams like, Oh my just, God. I, locker. I wanted to write me- back and be like, I'm balding, you dumb bitch. But. <laughs> I want to see that post because some part of me thinks that she just I erased wrote, it. I blocked her. I wonder yeah. if that's what she really, really said. Because some part of me thinks she just wrote, like, I don't like this shirt. And then your head interpreted no, it. No, no. She, I, no one imagines the word sociopath. <laughs> that okay. doesn't just, like... Then you're a sociopath? Because I did a picture for that penguin ad I did a year ago. One of the pictures. I do that dumb face where I'm, like, kind of like that, you know? Right. And I guess she, she was frightened by it. She called you a wow. sociopath. Mm-hmm. So, I know. Um, wow. Anyways, I was going to talk about, we were talking about like global problems and stuff. and global, But one thing that's been great is watching people from here. And I think even in Canada and England and all around the world, just ripping down statues. Yes, of, yes. Like, Big time. Like Orleans. and Confederate flag and huh? like just monsters. And yeah. I just, I, the, just watching people roll these statues. Get them out. Because the, the British, let's just say this. Get British out, people really go, they take it the extra mile. Like Americans were like, t- we took off the head of a Columbus statue and spray yeah. painted. British people were like, oh no, we're going to take that fucking down. We're going to roll it in the fucking street and then we're going to drown the fucking statue. That's what we're going to do. And so literally it's like, like Adele was like, hold my cigarette. And just like throwing this statue into the river. I mean, it was fabulous. Because those are like yeah. fucking heavy. Like it's like a statue. I know. Yeah. yeah, they're hardest. I mean, I didn't know you could roll a statue. I was like. I don't know how they get them down. Like, are they torching it? How does it? Yeah, how do you get a statue I don't know. down? I mean, I've seen, I think I've seen one video where like, I think they just kind of like just pushed it off the pedestal. Like you'd think <laughs> that's that they were all, more wow. like. Secure. Yeah, right. but they're not. 
Not, which is there's great. a great that episode in the simpsons about jebediah springfield I don't yeah i remember that one yes and the, the the it was revealed that he was like a bad person and that but somehow in the end it was like well the symbolism blah 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 which i don't agree with because no. here's the thing i don't think any other people besides italians know this controversy controversy so italian americans are very connected to christopher columbus which i didn't Thumb. know I don't know either. I no thought idea. he was Spanish. He worked for Spain. He worked for okay. the government of Spain, but is of Italian descent. Okay. So he... Um, How did anyhow, he end up in Spain? I mean, I don't know. How did he end up in America? I mean, or right. Puerto Rico. He's a traveler. I'm my bad. Right. Of all the people for me to wonder how they got somewhere, he took a fucking ship. Yeah, I was like, of all the people, Emma. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. Italy, he Spain. Fouled. That's like a what? Right. An hour right. flight? I mean, right. Right. He, he gets a one day boat. I don't know how long it... <laughs> he took a boat. He took the... the right. He's fucking... Right. So, um, anyhow, now I agree with us. I think it's split the Italian community that a lot of Italian, like a lot of Italians, have cl- clung on to him and Columbus Day is Italian Heritage Day, blah blah blah. And so now there's huge controversy in the Italian community of should we still align ourselves with Christopher Columbus? No. Uh, there's, of course not. <laughs> He's a monster. I mean, Italians can't even handle white people eating at the Olive Garden without them <laughs> right. losing their goddamn right. minds because they're so fucking offended because Nana didn't fucking make it. Right. But a guy kills thousands of indigenous right. people and they're like, it was the past. Right. Right. So they're on these Italian meme pages that I follow, which most of the time are funny. It's like a Nana holding up a spoon and throwing a slipper at someone. Right. But this time they put up a picture of Columbus. That's how much Italians like drama, that they just post Columbus Day and say, like an article says, we're going to cancel Columbus Day. And then they say thoughts, because they know mm, that everyone's going to lose right. their mind. Half the comments were saying the right thing. That he was a murderer. We should not be celebrating this person. Let's really think about our history. And, and you can petition for another at- day. There's, and also, there's so many other things Italians can right. be proud of. Right. The, the, of, the, of all the things the Italian people have brought to the yeah, world. Yeah, don't let this person represent Columbus. you. Right. It'd be like if we were like, you know, like, well, we want, you know, Ted Bundy Day. And be like, why? Like, why would you want to right. pick, so, pick another person for another day? So the argument I think is hysterical is the Italians saying, we can't erase history. I'm like, isn't this revealing history right. rather than erasing um, history? Like, totally. And again, what, don't you, what, why can't we get a statue of like Pavarotti instead? You know what I mean? Like get Andrea Bocelli up there, Georgia, Sophia Loren. Like this, yeah. Or how uh, about just no more statues? Yeah, no more like, statues. <laughs> like I never even understood it. Like here in Montreal, like there's the old part of the city that has like, it's like a mix of like statues of historical figures but then also just these like really random like artistic statues that I guess you would describe more as like sculpture than statue. Sure. And you have like people posing with them and I never understood that. I'm like I like some of those just, statues. I think it's like do? interesting. Yeah, but I can't like, I don't know the, I, I don't know the specific ones like in New York there's all these like bowls that are they don't they maybe not are now they're just in Wall Street but there's been times where they like put them in different parts of the city and they're like really incredible like works of steel. So sometimes right. I'll just think it People posing with it is kind of is, but maybe honestly, people posing with anything. This is my my Instagram. I look like an asshole. People right. posing with anything. I'll pose with any. If I'm naked, I'll pose with it. I mean, I look. Yeah, like if a, you're naked, yeah, but yeah, I look like an asshole. That's it's different. It's like people were posing naked with the statues. I'd be more on board, right? You right. Know? But just to take these like touristy pictures of like a statue. I guess I'm just. I guess I'm just kind of amazed that they carry any kind of significance. Mm. Right? You know, what's it? Yeah. Are, is it? Sorry. 
No, go ahead, go ahead. Is it locked down? Like what level? Because I know New York now is level, you guys are level one, or are you going on level two for lockdown? Mateo, you guys are level. Oh, I thought you were talking about Trana. Sorry, well, I am, but I'm curious, because what, what are the two we're lockdown levels? We're still in levels? one. We're, you're we're still in one. one. So what are you guys in? Well, I don't think we have like like as clearly defined levels as you might have. It sounds like mm. America's following some kind of unified level plan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm gathering from right now. Like I yeah. don't about the level. Oh, you haven't heard about that. Um, I think like for us, it's more like each province has its own like sort of phases. It's not like across the board, like where each phase represents the same thing. Oh. But, so Montreal is the epicenter of Canada in the way that New York has been the epicenter of the U.S., although it's not as bad as New York, but in Canada, Montreal is the worst city to have been hit. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think like we were on lockdown for a long time and it was quite strict, but now it just feels like we're like just like heading so fast to like this reopening, it's like every week there's more and more reopening, but it just feels like it's all happening. Like it's just too much too soon. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea like what I didn't know that to and like what the effects are going to be. I'm just still staying home pretty much. <laughs> I have I a really weird question. Yeah. Because you are at home. Are you thinking in French or in English? And what are you speaking most? Oh my most? God, I never Good question. Okay, first, it is a good question. I, I never have thought in French in my life. Never? Never. Because English is my first language. But like, sometimes I think like, sometimes like certain things will trigger me right. and I'll start to <clears throat> think in Italian. And then like I get confused which wow. language. Sometimes if I'm speaking with a friend who also speaks French, like sometimes like, it's weird, like, with certain friends, like, we'll be talking about something and I'm trying to explain something and I just, like, use French words. Like, I just mm. sort of fall in French. But it's very rare because I don't have the same kind of confidence in French that I do in English. Even though I am bilingual, I still never feel like my French is good enough. Mm. So I, even with my French friends, like, I still speak English. And even though sometimes their English is worse than my French, I still sort of expect them to speak English to me. <laughs> which I know is so like. But you, but you just did, reason, you did though, French TV. I know, I did, and I know that I can speak French, but again, it's just like, you know, as a comedian, like when you're on stage, like so much of your confidence comes from your ability to think on your feet and like yeah. be in the moment. Whereas like, I don't really have that in French. Mm. And I think that for me also, like my reluctance to even speak French with my French friends is French people will correct you. Like, they are judging really? your mistakes. Whereas like, I had an, an, a French friend who like I speak English with and she, I don't even know how this word came up in a conversation, but she called a hippopotamus a hippopotamus. <laughs> <laughs> I can see myself doing that. But like, you know, for me, like, I don't care. Like, I didn't right. even acknowledge it, you know? Right. And where, you like, got what she was French, saying. Yeah, exactly. But like a French person, it's like, it's almost difficult to have a conversation because they like keep stopping. Oh. And I can't handle that. <laughs> I love that the French, the French because Italians don't do what the French do. Literally, Italians like you could speak broken Italian to them, like "Ciao, io sono americano," and they'll be like, "Oh, ma dai, right. yeah, you're che trying." Parla, ma questo ragazzo parla perfettissimo italiano, right. ma dai, like, like a French, like 
No, it's the opposite. Here, like, even to the point where, like, you go to a store and the cashier, like, does not speak English. And they hear you as an English person making an effort to speak to them in French and they'll switch to English. Like, they don't, like, I don't know. It's They're not just, even humoring it. It's like that oh, joke that no. I have when I was in France, because now Trana knows that, because I speak French with Trana when we're in Montreal together, because I'm always trying to practice my French. Yeah. And you're very sweet, because you're like, your French is very good, but it's- Because you know, know what it's, it's like to be critiqued for it. <laughs> well, yeah, but I genuinely think Mateo's French is really good. I'm sure it's, it is. It's very Italian influenced, but um, it's not perfect, but it's obviously like you understand what I'm saying. And so when I was in France, I have this joke, which I haven't done on stage in forever, but I was in France and it was early in the morning. It was me and this woman who worked there, just me and the woman. And I thought I'm really going to impress her and show her I could speak French. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to order a chocolate croissant and coffee, but I wanted to do it in French. I don't want to be the American and be like, oh, right. I have a question, bonjour. Right. Like, you know, like, you know, you know. So I walk up, I'm like Googling how to say it. And like, I look like one of those Blair Witch kids in the corner, just like by myself. Like, <laughs> so, and I walk up and, and you know, she said, bonjour. And I just said, you know, I was so nervous too. I said, hey, bonjour, um, je voudrais un pain au chocolat avec un café, s'il vous plaît. Now I know that's not perfect, but, you know what I'm asking for, no, that's right? that's pretty perfect. Sounds good. And she goes, that'll be $4. Yeah. Maybe she did. Maybe she was impressed in her head and she didn't even want to try to speak no, French back to that. No, she was not no, impressed. She no, was upset. No. She there, was letting you know that she knew yeah. that you do not, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it really yeah. is, like, it's, <laughs> it's really condescending, it's like, honestly. And what's ironic in Montreal, specifically in Quebec, is that we actually have language laws here. Um, really? Because within Canada you know, French-speaking people do constitute a minority, and Quebec is one of the few provinces that is, like, I mean, outside of Montreal, like, Quebec is, like, basically 100% French. Hmm. They want to protect that language, and I, like, I think that that's valid. So, like, there's all these, you know, language laws, literally, like, businesses have to follow certain rules about how much is written in French, what size the French writing is in, it has to be larger than the English writing. Wow. Um, what about for someone who say I was visiting from Korea and I only spoke Korean, like would are they like friendly towards languages that aren't English? The Quebecois well, are nicer than I think the Parisians are. I think it's different. Like it's um I think that in Montreal, like Montreal is such a multicultural city that like it would be rare to encounter like animosity for speaking mm. a different language. Um and I think most people would try to make the effort to like either speak to you in English or whatever. Um, but technically, like, in terms of the law, like, they don't have to serve you in any other language, wow. you know? So it's interesting that, like, there's this fight for protection, but then as soon as you make the effort to actually speak French and it's not good enough, they're speaking to you in English. Like, it's just... I knew this woman from, she's from the UK, and she said that Americans were so inconsiderate when she would say certain sayings like i remember and I, I was like what kind what type of sayings she was like she said that she had said um let me let me have a think on it let me think on it <laughs> let me but she phrased it as let me have a think so that means she needs a moment to think about it so she said something like let me i said let me have a think she said americans would be like what is that what are you what does that mean she was like well i need more time but things like that where you they they know like you know what yeah yeah no and she would Although, say these little say i didn't know what the queue was when i heard an english person say can you get in the queue i'm like what, oh, what is the, the queue what is the queue the line up right line like get in line oh they yeah. say get in queue 
See, yeah. that's fair to ask because you can't, can I have a think? Or there's a couple other sayings that she'll just like say about something that you, within literally a, a pip, you pip, know. Pip, and squeak. Like, <laughs> what That would say? all be in the tone. Like, but so, you, something you can like infer, not that hard, right, where you don't need right. to be like, what are you, what's this? What are you trying Here, to get at? Here's how relaxed the Italians are that literally if you're from Spain and go to Italy and just speak Spanish to Italians, they will communicate back and forth. Right, right. I mean, I that's em- like- English is inflammatory too. So it's like if someone's trying to do something besides be like dominant with English, then people will be like, or, you know, like they'll, they'll help you out. Yeah, I think for the most part. So I know that's such a silly question, but I was just curious because you're in quarantine. I'm like, yeah. I wonder if Tran is speaking no, French. I at never, all. I never think in French. I like French for me in my life has really always been just sort of like relegated to school and like mm-hmm. my professional life. Um, but I like, I love speaking. I love the language. I just wish I like, and I know that that kind of confidence only comes with like doing it more, but I'm like, I'm also such like a perfectionist that like, I don't like to do things that I'm not perfect at. Like I feel sure. sure. Oh, totally. So, but I think that if like French people reacted the way Italians did and were like so impressed by like the smallest thing, like that would make me feel really comfortable to speak French more. Yeah, that's why I feel comfortable to speak Italian. I'm like, doesn't matter if I fuck up, they don't care. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're super happy. They're smoking. They're on mopeds. They're eating pasta. (laughs) They don't give a shit. I didn't know Montreal was opening up because in Louisiana, we've been opening up like pretty, but it's it it really has been pretty gradual. Like you still have to wear a mask. If you go in, I mean, you don't have to wear a mask. Actually, no, you do don't but most no you don't so you don't have to wear a mask you have to be six feet apart so it's like everybody's going to be six feet apart right it used to be like they would be like okay people can't come in here if it's full but now anyone can kind of go in the grocery store but you have to be spread uh, we're out. not at that level yet like they're still controlling like the number of people and they haven't made masks mandatory but like i think it's a really shitty thing to go into like a shared space right wear a mask you there we, are limits we have to wear masks in new york city it's you do. Like, absolutely we had to the point where i was walking down the street the other day with my friend and literally i went like this just to breathe because every once in a while you just have to breathe yeah. and a woman who was like it seemed like she was 100 feet away from us she was like the governor said that you have to have your mask on Wait, i was like when you're outside yeah oh yeah wow like even if you're just walking yes Everyone, everyone in New York City is wearing a mask. Wow. Not for that. I mean, so also in New Orleans, when I went in there, if you go into a restaurant, then it's definitely like regulated. Like it can only be 25% full, but lots of people not wearing masks. And it's so hot here because I was out yesterday and I kept doing that to breathe. I kept putting it down. And then my mask was like sweaty. So I just kind of hung back so I wasn't near anybody. So I could like move that sweaty thing. Right. Like, I wear them whenever I, like, I mean, not that I even go anywhere besides the grocery store or the pharmacy, mm. but, like, I will always wear a mask when I, like, go into a space. But if I'm just walking or riding a bike, like, I'm not, I'm not wearing a mask. Have you but I'm also, not, I'm also not coming into, like, within six feet of people. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. so. Well, when I, all the protests that I was on, that we were on, um, Actually, you know what? Something really funny. So this is some, this, as a comedian, we just can't stop. Because um, actually, I talked to Sashir Zameda and Nicole Byer every single day. And so we were just talking about our experiences. Where is Sashir? Is she in New York or LA? She's in, she's in LA. She is, okay. She's in LA. And um, just just talking. I mean, that's you know how it is. And 
I was telling them about one of the protests that I went to. So I went to one that was right by my house. None of my friends could go with me. And I was like, well, I can go alone. I mean, it is weird to go to those types of things alone because you're just, obser- you're just observing so much and um, you don't have anyone to like process. You know, right. So we go and they said, we're going to meet in the park at one and then we're going to march at two. So of course me being me, I show up at one I'm super early and it's nice. Everyone's in the park. They've got their, their signs and this and that. And there's like a feeling of like, um, it's a moving feeling, you know, you right. don't want to say it's like a good, it's fun. You know, that's not right. the words you describe. It is a, you're, you're preparing yourself emotionally and physically to be a part of something for the better good. Right. Unity so we're there. Too. I'm sorry. Unity. Like you get a sense of yeah. feeling like you're, you're working as a collective for betterment. Right. And I do have to say, so before I tell this ridiculous story, when you're a city like New York is so specific. I mean, it's just, it's a city. You guys have been to New York. I mean, you've lived in New York. It's like, we're just, everyone is on top of each other. Yeah. And to be quarantined for four months and then suddenly be with thousands of people walking imagine. in the streets. It's yeah. like the juxtaposition. You yeah. know, you just, there's so much, you're just up, like, just, I'm, I'm talking about a physical taking in, looking. Right. I have not right. seen these things or people in so long, you know. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're in the park. And uh, there's this guy, this tall guy who's kind of coordinating everything. I don't know who made him the leader, but he was the leader. So we're standing there. He's got this big sign and a, like a, 200 cops show up and they're in the big gear, the riot gear. This and, that. and so I'm standing there. Now I'm wearing my Liza Minnelli shirt that says, instead of resist, it says resist. <laughs> so I just want, I just want like, to pick the visual that? here. Patty gave it to me for oh, my birthday. Funny. Yeah. And I thought that's this is perfect one. for a protest. Yeah. So we're standing there. So it's me, tiny, in between these giant cops, right? And there's like a cop in a white shirt, which I found out that they're the commanding officer or whatever. So she walks up and she goes, you guys have to move to 87th Street. You can't, you know, you can't be in the park. And this guy comes out, commanding officer, this skinny, tall, white guy. Uh, Commanding officer, we were told by the other officer we are allowed to peacefully protest in this park. And she goes, let me put it this way. And then he, right before she says something, he goes, social distancing. <laughs> and I was like, I tried so hard not to laugh because I was like, this is, he just was so ridiculous. And then she was like, if you don't move now, I will arrest all of you. And so then I was like, oh God, Bob is going to have to bail me. Bob and Mona had to bail out Patty from jail. Now they're going to have to bail me out of jail. So, um, this girl walked up and she just pushed this white guy out of the way and she looked at the officer and she goes, we'll meet you at 87th Street. And I thought- Did the guy get yeah. in her way? Did he get? Did he walk up to her and then say social distancing or did she go up no, to him? No, and when she came up to him, she was like, okay. you know, he goes, social distancing! <laughs> I was like, okay. But then we started walking, but because I was early, I was in like the front. So oh like all the, <laughs> all the pictures are going to be like these like, you know, amazing, very moving, blah, blah, blah. And oh, then there's me and Eliza Manelli shirt. Represent. I mean, it was wild. But yeah, what I just thought that? it was funny that he just screamed social distancing. I thought, I wonder if that's a funny bit. I could. <laughs> I screamed social distancing at someone. You, you did? did? Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I, but I, so I was walking down the street here because I'm like, it's pretty suburban where I am. And I was walking down the street on the phone, and then I, I hear a, like, <sighs> like scraping on pavement that is obviously an animal, and I turn, and I see this giant, not 
is it not a, I think it's a pit bull. What's the dogs that always have oh. to be muzzled? Rottweiler. I love pit bulls. I think bull. it was a, I, I love pit bulls too. I think it was a Rottweiler. I love pit bulls. But it was like coming at me and there's no one else out. So I, it's like, you can just see it. And you know, when it's like flat and open, you can see, you know, it's far yeah. away, but like incoming. And I was on the phone with my friend Mike and I was like, there's a pit bull or a Rottweiler or like a dog that is huge running at me. And he was like, huh, what? And then I'm like, it's, I don't know what to do. Cause I, if I run, like, I was like, I'm just watching it comes, jumps on me. And I'm like, it's on me. And then I hang up. The was phone. it licking you? It was being friendly. So it wasn't, oh, like, ah. but it was like big and it was like, ah, like coming at me. And then these two women run out of a house and I can, you, I'm not, I can tell they weren't going to be like super fast runners, you know, a little bit older, <laughs> a little bit bigger. So I, and I can hear them going, they're like, oh, it's a puppy. It's a puppy. And then they're walking at me and I was not scared because it was licking, but I was like, kind of like, ah. And then they came and took the dog off me. And I like, was like, oh, social distancing. Cause I jumped back. From it. <laughs> I guess I didn't yell it at them, but I said it. And they definitely were like, kind of eye roll at me, but. Right. Cause they went and got get dog. your dog in the house. Like what the fuck? I mean, it could have, if I had been like, it like would have toppled me, but I just kind of moved with it. But it must have. I got, I got attacked by a pit bull two years ago in New York city. I would have been so scared. Cause this one I knew yeah. wasn't going to attack, but it was cause it's right. scary. You no, scary. Honestly, I would not be okay with that. I don't I know. I was so calm. I was like, it's coming. <laughs> it's on me. Ah, I'm dead. I don't, I don't know what, why, why I was so chill. You got attacked by one? I got attacked. I was walking into, um, um, it was in the dead of winter in New York. And so they have those like corridor thingies outside of restaurants. So like, it's like, you, oh, well, yeah. you, you know, talk about you like kind of walk yeah. into like a mini room. Yeah. So it like stops the cold from me. So I, I opened it up. I was meeting a producer to have like a conversation. A pro- I'm a professional. <laughs> and I walk in and there's just a pit bull standing in the corridor. No leash, no nothing, just standing there. Yeah. But his head's right by the, the door thing. So I go, <laughs> it just stared at me. So I like reached my hand to go get the door. And it thought I was reaching for it, and ah! Oh my god! Oh wait, I think I, I remember this. I think I remember this too. Actually, was this, this was a while ago, right? Yeah. And I was ble- when I mean blood, I mean bleeding. I'd be and then I just losing it. I just walk in the coffee shop. I put my hand up, and I was super calm. I just yeah. go, um, whose dog is outside? And the whole restaurant was like, <gasps> and this gay guy who was getting a fucking biscotti literally goes, my dog. And I said, your dog just bit me. Well, don't touch my dog. And then like ran, grabbed it and tried to get out of there. And then everyone in the restaurant's like, you have to go stop him. And I was like, <laughs> so I like ran after him. And I was like, sir, I was like, I'm a pit bull owner. You need to stop. And he was like, get away from me. And I was like, sir, I was like, I'm not going to call the cops on you. I'm a pit bull owner. I'm just, I need to talk to you about you. This is, what you're doing right now is illegal. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't touch other people's fucking dogs. Wow, what a miserable son of a bitch. I know. And then I went back in. And then I remember when I, my doctor's office was nearby and I walked in and <laughs> they were closing and the, the, the administrative assistant was being real mean. I was like bleeding. I was mm. like, I need to see a doctor. She's like, well, you not didn't today. make an appointment. I wanted to be Dang. like, well, listen, lady. Yeah. Like, throw <laughs> blood at her. But um, there was a gay doctor who spotted me. He was like, come here, girl. And so like we yes. went in and he like yeah. gave me my shots and stuff. I would have been fucking rip shit if someone's dog bit me. Like, oh my God, me too. 
I would. I, was, I actually was shaken up. I actually started crying when he was yeah. creating me because I wasn't. It's scary. Not, like, yeah, a dog yeah. fucking attacks you. I was I was scared, and I could tell it was friendly because like I just didn't know what it was gonna do. Yeah. People will be mean to my, the dog boy that I have. It'll start growling, but when he's on a leash, like this one woman, he was on a leash and he was growling at her, and I was trying to like restrain him. He's seven pounds, and she went, "Ew, I hate dogs." And um, what did I say? I think I waited for her to walk away a little bit. And I went, well, fuck you, bitch. We don't like you either. Yeah. Um, we've been going for an hour and 15. Yes, yes. Trana, I wanted to talk to you about a bunch of other stuff, but I don't know what your time limitations are. I'm good till five. All right. I mean, I don't know. Do we want to get into heavier topics or do we just want to call it a day? I have no idea. Bring it up. What's on your mind? Yeah, go for it. I'm just curious. And Whitley, you were already planned to be on the episode. This is not like we brought you on to talk about trans issues. But um, I just, I'm just curious because, especially being queer people, I think we're probably seeing, um, you know, we're seeing news about trans people being, you know, brutalized or killed yeah. probably more than mm. I think straight people are seeing i actually don't know but i just know the algorithm of my instagram is like yeah. it. so like i'm yeah. seeing i forget about that i literally I forget that that's what because that is what i'm seeing too but i forget that that's because of my algorithm yeah right i forget for, that for sure right so i forget I, that too i guess i'm i i guess what i would like to ask is do you see because everyone everyone right now is going through a movement. We're all going through a change to to talk about the uncomfortable and and to sort of make ourselves better people. I hope. Yeah. Um, and seeing a lot in the news about trans people and how they're being treated, and people standing up and saying trans lives matter, Black trans lives matter. And yeah, I mean, I just I'm wondering from your perspective, growing up trans and where things were in the public eye from when you were younger to now, do you feel it's moving in a better place? For sure, like, I think, like, one of my biggest problems, or not problems, but one of my biggest issues in my life is that when I was a kid, like, there were no trans examples. Mm -hmm. Like, so I literally couldn't identify myself as trans because mm -hmm. I didn't even know what that meant. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I was a kid, like, and I was so just, like, naturally girly. Like, when I was a kid, like, people, like, always thought I was a girl, and, and mm -hmm. I was, you know, but I didn't know that mm -hmm. because I had no examples it was never something talked about so I just literally didn't know it existed so like how can you know that you are something if that thing doesn't exist right for mm -hmm. you um so to now like be able to see like with the trans representation that we are seeing in media to see like eight-year-olds be able to say I'm trans like that's fucking amazing mm -hmm. yeah that know? vocabulary and and of course I'm like jealous of these eight-year-olds <laughs> that are like if if I would have known like that early on that that was a thing because I felt it so profoundly but I couldn't express it and I didn't know how to explain it like my life would have been so different not that my life is bad now and obviously it's it's really pointless to be like if I could go back in time blah blah right. blah like irrelevant you can't so you know just keep moving forward but i really do think it's a beautiful thing to see young kids like so clearly and so confidently like know who they are and i really think a big part of that is because they see the examples mm. right they have like they have trans role models they see trans people in media whether it's youtubers or even um i am jazz on tlc and like 
there's just like there's even like there are kids books about being trans you know the moment where you did where you first saw that as an identification point it's what's gonna sound crazy but it actually i do remember that point and it was actually reading Cher's son's memoir chas wow interesting Interesting. yeah chas there's this part in the book where chas describes like because there were you know a long there was a long period of time in chas's life where you know, he was identifying as a cis female lesbian. Right. And he described that time in his life of like living as a lesbian, but like never feeling like he belonged. Sure. Mm -hmm. And it really made me realize that like, you know, when I was like 18, 20, like going to gay clubs and like trying to present myself as a gay guy and like Mm. trying to date as a gay guy and like get attention from gay guys, it never felt Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And when I was a kid, I thought that like when I'm grown up and I'm able to like be around all these gay guys that I would feel accepted, that I would feel mm. like I found my own and I still didn't feel that. So when I was reading Chaz's book, I was like, oh my God, like it's the exact same mm. place for me. Like that's that's exactly what it is. And then it's like when I had that moment, I like look back on all these other moments in my mm. life and I'm like, it's so obvious. Like it's been there this whole time you know it's like dorothy in the heels it's like you could have gone home (laughs) yeah exactly i mean it is you know like i remember um in when i was 18 my the first friend that i had that i knew that was openly trans in other words was knew who they were um we went to college we went to school together so you were 18 i was 18 Mm. and i remember she talked a lot about you know, she came from a very Italian family, like immigrant Italian family and being 12 and discussing it and going to therapy. And, you know, the, the amount of bravery it took for her, especially this is 2007, you know, to be talking about that with her family and knowing herself, but you know, it just was, I just remember thinking like, God, like what a brave Mm. and smart getting her PhD and, Mm. you know, not letting that stop her from what she had to do. And then my other friend who he just started his transition, um, you know, just, 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 and it's like you said, Tran, it's like, you think back and you're like, oh yeah. Like you're like, even for people who are friends with people who are trans and they Mm. say I'm trans is who I am. And they start their their next chapter. You're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. You know? Yeah. And I think that, like, I think what made it hard for me to, or maybe not consciously, but I think what also was sort of blocking me from that sort of realization was that when I was a kid, like, even more than being bullied for being gay, like, the insult that was always used towards me was being called a girl. Oh, that's so interesting. Specifically, like, it was like, you're a girl. And it was said with, like, the most violent hatred. So... It was like that mm. the message that I received was that being a girl is the worst thing you could be. Sure. Because mm. that was the thing that was targeting, that, that was the thing that made me a target was my femaleness, was my mm. girliness, you know? But what's also sort of like strangely ironic and like sometimes kind of funny is that like my bullies knew that I was a girl. Like right. they knew this right. thing about me. Right. I'm like, they were they were being so the mean, but they were actually right. Right, like they were right, and I'm like, I can't believe they were right. Like it's so <laughs> infuriating. 
Um, but I think like that's what's also kind of sad about like the whole J.K. Rowling thing and just like oh, J.K. Rowling. Because I was trying, I did. I've done like three deep dives. I'm what? Where has she said things like this in the past? Like, yes. what? Oh, she yeah. has. What in the yeah. fuck? So it's not what? anything. It's not anything new coming from her. The only thing that's new this time is that she felt like a tweet is not long enough, so I'm going to write an essay now about this. So what the hell is going on? I mean, it's like at this, she's just being like defiant about it. Has she issued an apology? No, but here's the thing, okay? And I think like the thing, so I have this amazing trans friend named Kai Chang Tom, and she wrote an amazing book called I Hope We Choose Love, which I really recommend to all mm. of your listeners because... It's really about like sort of the dangers of social justice when it goes too extreme. Sure. And the way that we sort of dehumanize each other and discard each other as if sure. people are disposable. Right. So when I first read JK's essay, I wasn't personally offended because I don't have any connection to the Harry Potter world. And also <laughs> the claims that she's making in this essay are so outrageously wrong, just medically and scientifically. Where does so she get her information? Wrong. Well, this is the other Dumbledore. thing. Dumbledore Hogwarts. Yeah, exactly. She's getting her info. <laughs> hey, Dumbledore told me this is how it works. Right. <laughs> Sorry, JK. It's not magic yeah, in the real you, world, you dumb bitch. You lost it. Yeah. Well, the worst part is that, like, she sets up the whole beginning of the essay is literally telling people, I have done all the research. I Which have is red to- flag. Yeah. Right. I've done all of it. There's no research I haven't done. I'm CEO of research now. (laughs) (laughs) What? You want to research? Come to me first. Emma, that's literally what she was saying. Literally. It's not even an exaggeration. What (laughs) is going on with her personally that she, I mean. So here's the thing. Okay. So one of the most like detrimental things is that she has this idea of like the trans imposter. So she has this idea that there are men pretending to be trans in order to gain access to cisgender women to harm them. What? Yes. No. Yeah, so literally one point, this is not necessarily word for word, but the most jarring part of the essay to me is like, there's this part where she says, she's like, if any man can just say that he's trans and then be allowed to go into a women's washroom or a women's changing room, like, but that opens the door. First no. of all, what makes, what makes that so ridiculous is that there's not an attendant outside the bathroom deciding who's being let in where. Absolutely. Right. So if there is a man who wants to fucking attack a woman who's in a bathroom, he's just going to walk into the fucking bathroom. Right. He doesn't need to, he doesn't need to pretend gonna... to be trans right. in right. order to enter the bathroom. He's right. not going to throw know? on a sundress and go into a Target. Right. Just to, like you said, to fool, to trick who? Like, there's no bathroom attendant. You're right. I can't believe but that here, she would say, I just can't, I mean, it just. But here's the sad part. So my initial reaction to that is like, what a dumb bitch. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is so outrageously. And why like, now? Why is she bringing this? Like, of all the well, times. That's, yeah, that's the other thing. It's I like, have no idea. I have no idea is, what. She's sitting home in quarantine, and this is what she's like, you know what? Fuck these people. Like, I know. Like, <laughs> because <laughs> I genuinely believe that she doesn't actually mean to cause trans people harm. I think it's sad that she doesn't realize, like, how much these words actually do harm. And they harm in the sense that, like, this empowers other people, Absolutely. you know, because she's still a person of influence, whether I Absolutely. read Harry Potter or not, like she's Huge. not an influence on me, but she is an influence on other people. 
I don't understand why she can't just keep this to herself. Like, yeah, like you why know, is this her cause? Right. But I think one thing- Or maybe friend, she should just talk to a few trans people right. well, she and educate she, herself. She said that she has spoken to all the trans people. So. She has. Interesting. When was um, your meeting with her? <laughs> well, no, she didn't say all, but like, she literally does say, like, I have spoken to trans people. I have trans friends. Oh, no. That's like, the, oh. another red flag right but right the thing that my friend kai chang brought up that i think was really interesting is that in this essay that she wrote she also details for the first time like her own experience of sexual abuse and sexual assault and so like that made me sort of reconsider my initial like you're a dumb bitch like i think sometimes we're so quick to vilify people well, i was wondering I, what happened to her like was that right. something that specifically happened to her like so that's a great question, Emma. And my interpretation of it is that, so she suffered this sexual abuse and this physical abuse at the hands of a man or multiple men. I don't know. She doesn't super detail like the account, not that she has to. But I think that what that trauma has led to for her is just this unbelievably deep-seated fear mm. of men, period. Mm. Like she is terrified of men. She even says in the essay that she can be home and in the kitchen and if like her daughter comes into the kitchen and she doesn't know her daughter's there and like turns around and sees her daughter, she like jumps. So right. she's just this woman who's like constantly like living in fear. And I don't think she's ever gotten to like the root of her fear. Um, and so I think what is sad is that like for her, because her fear of men is so deep seated mm. that like, to her, it's like, if you're born a man or if at some point you've been identified as a man, like you're the enemy and you right. are someone who could potentially cause me harm. Mm -hmm. And what my friend brought up and what is the ultimate sad thing in this situation is that like trans women and cisgender women, like we share so much in common because at the end of the day, it's just misogyny. Right. You know, like, it goes back to like when I was a kid and like kids were calling me a girl as an insult. It's because you hate women. Yep. You know, like that's what it's all rooted in. Yep. And so I think that for just women, period, trans or cisgendered, it's like we have this shared experience of misogyny. And that like, you know, a cisgender person has to be scared of someone like JK and that JK is scared of someone like me. Like that's mm. sad because we actually have the same enemy. Right. No. I'm grateful and that so, she included that in the essay. There's some shred of something to, to fathom what she's talking about there. But she doesn't go further, though. She doesn't, mm. she doesn't understand that her trauma is the root of her fear of men right. and then in turn her fear against people. Right, because like, if she did, she wouldn't have, like, she likely wouldn't exactly. have written that. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that that speaks to the larger moment of like what we're going through right now, like even in Black Lives Matter, it's like, in order to really show up for people, you have to do that self work of like healing mm -hmm. your own traumas mm -hmm. and figuring out what is holding you back from being able to be there for other people, you know? I, I used so, to have a joke that I am embarrassed totally. by now, which is about trans people, mm. but it's actually a joke about myself. It's actually a joke about me, but I've been feeling bad about it for a long time because I used to think it was really funny. Here's the joke, and then I'll explain. Okay. It was right when we were starting to talk about trans no, people. I'm just it was like Caitlyn Jenner and, and, and cis straight people were not aware of what it meant to be trans. And so the awareness of what it meant to be trans was starting to become, you know, a collective. We were all starting to really, you know, 
get to it. Whatever. So I was the at the moment the biggest issue was, especially here in America, was the bathroom issue. Everybody yeah, right. was arguing over the bathroom. The bathroom. It was these ridiculous arguments of like, well, what if a man comes in the bathroom and this and that? So I thought, wouldn't that be funny? Like, oh god, I, Trana, I'm sorry. Don't like. First of all, I, I'm the wrong person to ask if something is offensive. Because I know, I'm but this really is seven years ago or Let's six years it. ago. But I just said, I was like, sometimes I walk up and I see the line is super long for the men's room. So I walk in the women's room and if anyone tries to stop me, I scream, I'm transitioning and I pee in the sink and I leave. And I was trying to make a statement that I was the asshole, that I was right, taking right, advantage of right. the fact that they were making a conscious effort to understand what it means to be queer. And so I'm using that right. to my advantage. Right. However, I did it a few times and, and then I, I did dawn on me. I was like, this probably isn't in good taste. Right, and right. my point of view is not being made. So I stopped right. telling them. Right, well, right. I think that like, I think that all thoughtful comedians have moments where like there's a joke that they've been doing for a while and then you gain perspective on it right. and you realize that like this is not contributing anything great to the conversation and you drop it. The problem right. is these comedians that think that all of their material is so fucking brilliant. Or they, they just don't care. Let, or they just don't care and they don't let go of anything. Right. Like right. I used to also do this joke. There was a reviewer who came to one of my shows and like in their review, like sort of mistakenly like referred to me as a person of color, hmm. which was like, I guess technically I am, like I am half Middle Eastern. I just, I'm white passing and have always lived my life as a white person. So I don't feel comfortable referring to myself as a person of color. Sure. But like, it was funny because I wasn't upset by being called a person of color whatsoever. It just sort of surprised me because I'm used to my whole life just sort of passing as a white person. Right. And then like, I made a joke about it. And then someone like wrote to the patient and then the publication wrote a like, correction but the correction was so hilarious because uh -oh. they were like in a previous version of this article trana winter was referred to as a woman of color like period and they were just like winter is in fact white <laughs> <laughs> and like and so like i started like i used to do this like bit about that but then i remember one time like there being a person of color in the audience and they just like hated that joke oh interesting you know? and well, I, just I mean you are half egyptian you know? i know so it's, but it's i think this was this was also a time where i think people were using the term person of color to not say black mm. right you know like i think this is a time where it wasn't necessarily this like term that was fully being used to describe anyone who's not white hmm. um are we allowed to use that term i see it being used everywhere and i just said person it person of I'm color like, is is what you're supposed the term you're supposed to use well, I think right now what's becoming more clear is that, like, if you're referring to a black person, say black. Right, say black. Yes, right. absolutely. You know, right. So don't use the term person of color when you mean black. But yes, I do think that, like, person of color is still something that's being used for basically non black and non white people. I've, I've asked my mom this question because, you know, my mom and her five of her brothers and sisters uh, are, you know, Mexican Italian. They're half and half. And so I, but I, and my mother, is like you where she passes as white looks white is very light-skinned my aunt cindy looks very mexican looks but you know we are indigenous to you know mexico we're not spanish mexican spain yes, you're on some definitely racially ambiguous 
Right. So my aunt Cindy, everywhere she goes, people speak Spanish to her. She hmm. looks very Mexican. You know, she, she, my mom's never gone anywhere and ever, no one's ever said, hola, señora, yo tengo una pregunta. My aunt Cindy, literally everywhere she goes, like, señora, you know, and she's like, I don't speak Spanish. You know, but I've asked them, I said, how do you identify? Do you identify as white or do you identify as mixed or Latina or like what it, you yeah. know? But I think because their dad, who's Mexican, left their family at such a young age and my Sicilian grandpa adopted them and continued their life as Italians that they're just like, well, we just sort of think we're like Italian, like white. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. But, right. It, but they're, but I'm like, but you're not, you know what I mean? Like yeah. in, a, in a greater sense, like, you know, you are like a right. race and stuff. So it's some, it's funny yeah. how we perceive race sometimes. For sure. And I like, I really relate to that, you know, like being half <laughs> Middle Eastern and like, I mean, predominantly from Egypt, but like the, like my heritage goes throughout across the Middle East, mm. like from, from Syria to the Sudan, to Egypt, to Lebanon. Like there's just like, it's just all of that. But I feel like, even though like, I always, like I do often get questions of like, where are you from? Like people try to figure out my ethnicity. So maybe I'm not as fully white passing as I think. Like I have big lips, I have a big nose, like, you know, but I just, I know in my life that I've never been discriminated against because of any perception of my ethnicity. So right. like, I would never call myself a person of color. Like, right. just, that's right. just a personal decision. Like I, of course. Know, I have nothing against people. Yeah, of course. So, well, it's also, and it's like almost like the privilege to get to pick which your kind of indicates right, yeah. that you are right. passing as white. Yeah. Right, exactly. I had a friend who was out in college. Her name was Jada and she had red hair, freckles. And I, she said, and she said, she's like, my family, my family is black. And so I assumed she was adopted and she, she wasn't And her. I was like, who did your mom have? Are you the same both parents? And she was like, nope. And she didn't ever, she never elaborated on it. Totally cool. And, but I was always like, what is going on? And there was something that she had where she can't, but she wasn't albino. She just was white and had red hair and freckles. And right. she ended up writing, I don't know if it ever got published, but she wrote a book about her experience because she was like, you know, people will say things that are racist around me thinking that right. I'm sure racist in a way that they're, you know, but they wouldn't have said it if they knew she was. Exactly. So it was very, it was interesting and like literally red hair. And, and she, yeah. I remember one time she's come to my first couple comedy shows. She heckled me. Oh, I remember. Well, that's, I, that's not, that's, she oh, should apologize. Well, no, that. no, but this was the heckle. She was so supportive. She loves comedy. And I was talking about my stepmom on stage and she was like, that's not true. You're making things up. And I was like, Jada, shut the fuck up. I can make stuff up on stage. No one knows. Like, this is like, it was me doing like amateur hour bringer open mic and she would be one of my bringers. She, I just remember that I was, I was, I haven't talked to her in forever, but I remember she'd be like, she was like, Emma, like, but you're like lying. And I was like, I know, but like, you keep it on the DM. But I'm on the stage. Yeah, I was like, come on. She was like, your stepmom is like, whatever lie I said. She's like, that's not true. And I was like. I get only Italian or Greek. That's it. Mm. I've never gotten anything. I've else. gotten Portuguese, Spanish, Italian. Those are the main ones. Sometimes people guess Egyptian, but it's rare. Um, but isn't it crazy, Emma, like what you were just describing of your friend's experience of like people would say racist things in front of her. Sure. A person. But isn't it just so telling like in the sense of like what people feel comfortable to say when they think they're oh my god yes like Some, yeah i was talking with a girlfriend of mine who's black and her husband is white and like 
things that like white guys will say to him not knowing that he mm. has a black wife. Like it's in, it's really just beyond disgusting. Well, you always want to say, you know, like, you know, I remember my friend Pat Powers had this funny story when he went to the Oprah show and they separated him from his friends. It was a whole thing. And then they were sitting there in the audience. So it was this him, you know, like he said, I was so much taller than everybody else. He's like, but me, gay. And then these two white ladies from Minnesota, mom and daughter, and they pick out people from the audience to come up and do like cheers and stuff. And so they have like what they call your team captains. And so... They picked, and for whatever reason, they picked a lot of black people, you know. And so everyone's having a good time, blah, blah. And then this woman leans over to him and goes, do you notice how many black people they've picked? And Pat looks at her and he goes, he's like, you don't know me from Moses. Right. You don't know me, right. lady. Like, but I wanted to get the worst out of her. So I just said, oh, because I wanted to see how bad it right, would get. Right, right, right. But he said, he's like, he's like, we're, this is, it's, we're at Oprah's show. Right. He's like, and then the second Oprah came out, he said it was the equivalent of like the mother holding the daughter by the ankles to see if she could reach and touch Oprah. Right, right, right. But it's like a perfect example of like, bitch, you don't know me. Like, why right, are you right. like, but because I, that's the racism. That's what right. people are you know, right. and if you're white, you've been in that conversation, you've been in those situations, and it's time to just finally say what you said is wrong and I don't like it. And right. Check, fucking or be check like, and people. what's your point? What's, what was your point about that comment? She right. Was, oh, and, what, and what exactly do you mean by that? Right. Well, my mom, actually, one day, because my, my mom, being this, like, super white-looking lady, she's an administrative assistant at a, a kid's school. And um, this mom was there and it was just them in the office and the lady started going off. She goes, well, all these Mexicans are coming in here now. And so all the, all the kids are going to be Mexican this and Mexican that. And my mom, who's just like the nicest lady in the world, yeah. she's the opposite of a Karen. She looked at this lady and she goes, my father's Mexican. Mm. And she goes, oh, well, <laughs> I would have never known. No, I, uh, right. you know, like trying to like act like, right. my mom was like, you just sat here talking shit about Mexicans. Right. You know, and my mom's not going to engage. Like, I'm a fucking Mexican, but she right. just said, right very calmly. My father's Mexican. Mm. Like, wow, no, why don't you say you're Mexican? You can say you're Mexican too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, but I guess it was more impactful to bring right. in. That's a talent. Yeah, yeah. Bring in her. other members of the family to be right. Like, right. You know. right. Anyways, what an episode, guys! Yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciate. This is the you longest we've done. This was almost. A, uh, this is an hour and forty minutes, Trana. I. But you're going to edit it you. down, right? No, we're bit. keeping not, it the full much. hour and 40 minutes. Oh my God, okay. Girl, I turned the what are you AC talking about? Up. We're not editing you. I'm not yeah. editing. I'm not silencing yeah, we're just trans keeping, voices. We're just keeping the Celine no, Dion bit. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> like, we edit our interviews um, on our show. I started editing. I've been learning about podcast editing. I've been using this app, Descript, that, like, transcribes everything. And it, Yeah, exactly. It's so good because I've realized how much I'll, how redundant I am. So I'm like, how was your experience? Or what was the experience you had? When you were right. growing up, did you? And then I've asked the same thing five times before asking it. <laughs> right. I editing it has made me realize that I'm like, oh, right, yeah. No, I think yeah. this should be. Look, we've been gone for two weeks, and we talked yeah. a lot about a lot of really right. important That's, things. Right. And I, yeah, no, feel, I think that feels really good. I think that like, I think that like also sometimes we have to think like I think sometimes right now we're under the impression that like we are like only talking to black audiences but like let's face it most white people are not having these conversations mm. right so it's like and it's just, it's like, 
it's setting too that much example. right and i think you know like, what white people let's this is not black people racism is not black people's exactly. responsibility it is it's our not. responsibility exactly. because we invented it so right. if we're going to be having these conversations we should be having them with what you know i amanda seals put the best post up she was jumping on her trampoline and she was like look white people stop calling me and asking me what you should read, what you should do, or to learn my history. I learned about the Holocaust and I'm proud of that because I went on my own and learned about it myself. You have fucking Google. As she's jumping on her trampoline, she goes, you have Google. If you want to learn, go learn and stop asking me to do it for you. And I thought, yeah, "Yeah, that is, yes, Amanda. I, you guys- No, that's a hundred percent, but- I want to get a trampoline. I just wouldn't that be so just, fun? That's what you got out of that story, Emma. No, no, that's great. <laughs> that's great. That is great and so true. But I want a fucking trampoline. She has Emma, some... you're good friends with Amanda. Where is her trampoline? Is it at her place? I haven't ever been to her new place her, in LA. She's at her home. I haven't seen her. I think I saw her in Montreal a year ago, and I was like, "That was the last time." I was I like, saw "Amanda, her. my friend Monet loves you." <laughs> that was the last time I saw her. I've t- I talked to her on the phone since then, but I haven't. Probably not in like five months, and then. Well, if- I By the way, they are, they are reopening small venues here now. Oh, they really? are? They're planning on it. It's crazy. Well, um, they are. I'm going to come to Montreal so we can do it. No, but I'm show. like, I'm shocked though. Like, they are here too. Be, like in Alabama. They're, it doesn't they're make sense though. It doesn't make sense. Trano, we'll get two astronaut suits. <laughs> and then we can go up on stage and do our diva show. We, I mean, this was the play. We were supposed to be doing it like a month Mateo, from now. Mateo, do it. Go I to... Know. Like I was texting with a comic. He, I'm on this reality show about moose poop, and he wrote me. So I've been getting these random texts, like, "Are you doing a show about moose poop?" I'm like, "Yes." So I get a message from him. Just saw you in the commercial for, "Are you doing a show about moose poop?" I say, "Yeah." How are you? And he was like, "I'm actually in Texas. Clubs are opened up here." And he's like, "I'm just right. doing bar shows." I don't well, know. I'm, sounds, I I'm not right jumping now, into but... it. Like I'm gonna wait like three weeks to see how it goes. Yeah, that's yeah, me yeah. too. I'm the I'm same. Not... Also, I know that, like, because I was talking with a friend about it, and I'm just like, who's going to go? But, like, right. no, I think people are really... People like, are out. People are you out. Guys, and and you guys are in epicent- epicenters right now. So it yeah. is... Because I'm literally in the suburbs of where it's been lifted for a little while. Yeah. So I'm going to be very... But then Alabama cases are skyrocketing. So... Right. And here, too, like, it's like there's going to be a second wave. Right. And, like, what? Are we going to, like, go back to that, like fucking extreme right right now if that's like now we're sort of like we're being teased with this like freedom i know about to be like snatched away almost as soon as it's given right well i'm prepared yamanika saunders and i have become experts in Fortnite. so i've been following your Fortnite adventures so people love that game we're so obsessed we just had they had a live event yesterday and it was me my friend alfredo yamanika and jacob did you get in Oh yeah, we did. Really? We experienced the whole live event and everything. Sold we like, out in one minute. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, we were in like Impressed. millions of people. How'd you get in? Did you like have? Did you like get your agent? You to just get you sign in? on it. It said oh. sign in at one thirty, so we signed. But at on. one minute, it was sold out because Ashley's nephew tried to get in. That's well, funny. we got in, baby. <laughs> All right, this was been. Thank fun. you so much. Where can people uh, find wait, you? Yeah, Trana, tell us where people can find you, etc. Oh, are you, you're not still including all of this stuff. Yes, we are. are. Oh my oh, yeah. God. Okay. Well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Trana Winter, T-R-A-N-N-A-W-I-N-T-O-U-R. Like Anna Winter, who's not a good reference anymore. I don't know if I need to change my name now. No, um, keep it. It's great. And, I love it. Um, and my album is available on Bandcamp. It's tranawinter.bandcamp.com. 
Awesome. Great. Thank you. And so we're going to play, uh, send us, email me yeah, like, uh, whatever song, however, to work it out so we can sure. play it at the end of this. Cool. I will. Just 